Last week we were talking about Matthew's recording of uh, the story of Jesus and where he started. And yeah, he started with the genealogy. And we're, to- and we're ta- talking about the Christmas story through the lens of Matthew. And, uh, and so today we're just going to continue on with the text and we're going to, we're going to join in with his story, knowing that he's given us a genealogy, knowing that, that it refers to everything we talked about in last week's service. And this week, I'm just going to jump right into the text, and then I'm going to pray, and God is going to do some great work here in this service. God, I thank you that you truly are great. I thank you that we have wonderful reason to praise you. I thank you that that you are the one who carries us through and carries our hope. And so, Jesus, today we give you ourselves. We present ourselves to you as sometimes inadequate, as sometimes people who are carrying too much, as sometimes people who, who worry about the things that you have already taken care of. And so, Jesus, we thank you today that you are a part of the solution, that you are a part of making things right. In fact, you are the one who does it. That indeed is your mission, that you make all things right. And so, Jesus, as we dive into Matthew's outline of your birth narrative, Jesus, I pray that we will be blessed, that our hearts will be lifted, and that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way, Matthew 1, 18. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thank God for, for his intervention. You know, there are two, we, we, we see the story is Matthew is continuing to expand the identity of Jesus. And so he's moving beyond lineage to exploring the conception story. He's saying, okay, yeah, we've got this lineage piece. That proved something. And now we have the story of his birth. A very important point in telling the story of a great person is to tell their divine birth story. And so there are two reasons that Matthew's doing this. First, 
Matthew is telling us that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, it fulfills an Old Testament prophecy, giving us more confidence in God's plan and work. See, remember last week we talked about all of those years of, of the story being told, and we talked about the way that you can't just write in fulfilled prophecy at this point because it's a cultural identity marker. You can't make this up. Literally, it's too embedded in the Jewish culture. And so the expectation of a Messiah is great. And so Isaiah 7.14 said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, in the text that we just read, we see a fulfillment of that. We see that a virgin indeed has given birth to a son and they did call his name Emmanuel. So we've got an expectation that was written hundreds of years before Jesus. An expectation that's right there. And it's saying, yes, this is going to happen. And Matthew says, look, it happened. You know, Matthew's telling us that Jesus is the Son of God. And we'll get to a little bit more of that later. The second reason that Matthew is going into the birth narrative is he is defying the imperial cult. Now, that's something that we don't talk about a lot, but the imperial cult was the whole setup of the Roman Empire that says that, that the Caesar, that the one on the throne, the emperor, is the son of God. That was the language of the day. The language of the day said the emperor is the son of God. You pay homage to the son of God by going to the temple, and the temple for the emperor is, now we've got emperor worship. And so Matthew knows his context, and he's writing into that context, and he's saying, yeah, that's happening out here. They're claiming that Caesar is Lord, but the true Lord of the world, the true, genuine, real Son of God, has been born. The one who will bring peace to all of us has been born. And so in this, we see great hope. We see a contrast that says there's a world's messaging that says, oh, well, this is where we find our hope. This is where we find our peace. And then there's God's messaging, Emmanuel born right now. Jesus is ruler over Caesar. And it's provocative and true and also the focus of many sermons where we see Jesus' lordship being declared, but it's right here in the birth narrative. The Son of God, born uh, to a virgin, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Like, it is so powerful, the language. It is so treasonous, the language, to say that there is a God, there is a Lord, a Son of Man, that rules beyond the rulers of this world. And in this moment, we say, yeah, this is true of Jesus, and we are blessed to know that. So today, we're going we're gonna to take a look at God's method to communicate this. And this is really interesting, because what God introduces is, to us, from our vantage point, a great scandal. But I think the scandal is even layered, because in this scandal, we have we have this waiting period. So for us, 
the scandal is like the obvious one. We have, in this story, we're following the story of Joseph. Joseph is engaged to be married. Now, that's a good thing, right? Going to get married. She is betrothed to him. And so, Joseph is, you know, he's getting ready, and everything in his life is working properly. Until we find out that she... Mary is pregnant, and Joseph goes, yeah, I didn't do that. That ain't mine. You can check the DNA. That ain't mine. That's not, I didn't do that. And so what we have is an introduction of a scandal. Now, I, it seems like a negative thing. It seems like crazy, and, and I just want to touch on, on this for a second. In the church today, the churches, many churches, are rocked with scandal whether it's power scandal because ministers have taken too much of an authoritarian, demanding approach who have then been rocked and removed from ministry, or it could be sexual scandal where, where ministers have had affairs or have done worse than have affairs, if that's possible, where, you're able, where, where we see other sexual sins. These scandals are terrible things. They take people down. They remove status. They do awful things to people. You know, they're awful things. They are, they are this, this invasion of evil where evil should not reign. And they're bad things. And so this is what Joseph is facing. He's not even a minister. He has no name, but he is facing a bad thing. His fiance is pregnant, and he knows he didn't do it. He knows this ain't his child. And so he is caught up in a scandal. You know, it, it takes nine months to grow a human baby in utero. I think that we know that, right? But we don't think of it when we, when we read this text really fast. You know, Joseph is like, oh, well, you know, we're betrothed in verse 18. Um, and, then, and then by verse 19, he's, he's ready to divorce her. Right? So we've got literally... Ten words in between, yay, everything's great, to I'm ready to divorce you. And so we've got this moment where, where Joseph is stuck in this scandal. You know, it's a long time for a scandal to hang over Mary and Joseph. I mean, nine months ago, our world was at the beginning of COVID. That's how long the scandal lasts. You know, a long time ago when life was normal... We can remember back then, but it feels like a lifetime ago. It feels like we're in a different world. And for Mary and Joseph, they feel like they're in a different world. This scandal is huge. Now, this isn't the only scandal. There's another scandal that's actually much bigger. The scandal that's going on here is actually that the creator of the universe becomes the created like, there are many, many people in the world that the reason that they reject Christian messaging is because Jesus claims divinity. That, that the scandal that God became man and dwelt among us was reason enough for early Islamic believers 
to say, that's heresy, that can't happen, we're separating out, this is not the same thing. There was reason enough to say, I'm not putting my faith in someone who usurps the name of God. And so we see that even in Jesus' day, as he lives, he is the, the expression of, of blasphemy. By the time they want to put Jesus on the cross, the accusation against him is he claims to be God. Oh, that's the scandal that's happening here. The scandal is that God has become human. And the expression of God becoming human is shown in early scandal where Joseph, from Joseph's perspective, he's like, my fiancé, to put it in our language, has a child that's not mine. This is offensive. And so Jesus is scandalous, and his birth communicates scandal. You know, Matthew, Matthew tells the story through Joseph's bloodline so that the story tells us of Joseph's perspective. If you want to read about Mary's perspective, you can get a sympathetic um, idea of Mary's perspective from the Gospel of Luke. But here, we are looking at Joseph's perspective. Here, Joseph is suffering from one of the greatest stresses in life. In verse 19, we see that Joseph was a just man. A man who wants to see things done right. He's a man that values rightness and being being found in the right. Joseph is a just man. And in this case, he wants to run, but not for his own image. It's very clear that he wanted to remove the shame from Mary. There's something really awesome about that. Here, here he's stuck in the scandal from his perspective, and his heart's cry is to remove the shame from Mary. And we see that right in, um, in, in, verse, in verse 19. Unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce, divorce her quietly. He did not want to bring shame on her, which would last for generations. He wanted to just put this all away quietly, where it wasn't going to be this big, huge thing. And so he wanted to find a way to remove her shame, but he didn't really have the position to do that. He only had two real choices. In that culture, his choices were he could leave Mary to her own household. See, everything broken into households in first century culture and so you live with your household and kind of like 2020 where you celebrate Christmas with your household but you live with your household and your household is a much larger system than what our households are and so here is Joseph saying you know if we just allow her to stay in her household maybe there will be less shame on her And so while he was considering these things, that's what the text says, while he's considering these things, he's thinking about the pros of leaving. You know, it cuts ties with her, it removes the shame of the pregnancy from him, but also allows it to just happen inside that household. It doesn't bring in two whole households, now it's only just happening within one household. And so there's a removal of shame that's going on. The cons of leaving 
is so much had already been done to bring them together. A betrothal wasn't a matter of buying a diamond ring. A betrothal was actually a whole agreement of bringing peace between households, of saying, yes, you're going to take responsibility for my daughter and all of those, those children, and you're going to be caring for them. And we've got this sharing of responsibility that's so important. And so that's happening. So there's so much that's been done to bring them together already. They're almost married. And the huge con is a loss of a dream. This scandal threatens a dream that we can be married and live together and have a nice life. And the scandal threatens a dream. The other option, you know, that was, that was to leave her. The other option was to, was to take her into his household. The cons of marrying. Well, the scandal stays and it gets introduced um, into now the second household, the second family. And there's awkward explanations throughout the life of the child. You know, it's just this constant, ongoing, awkward conversation. And, and, and it brings shame continually back in. And, I mean, the crazy stories that are going to go through the community. The crazy stories about, like, oh, well, did you hear what they claimed about this child? They said Joseph didn't do it, but nobody did it. Like, how do you, how do you have, like, the six-year-old child and then say, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit came that's a very challenging, real conversation that, that they're having to have. And Joseph, being a just man, is actually thinking about these things, as implied by the text. You know, and, and, but the pros of staying is they get to, they get to f- build a family together, and they live out an adjusted dream. That's the pros of staying. So Joseph is considering these things in verse 19, and I want us to notice that in the face of this scandal, Joseph is justified whatever he does. He's actually justified. You know, here he is. He's trying to do his best for Mary. We've already seen that. This isn't just about Joseph being the man in control and taking over dominance in the situation. But this is really, Joseph is considering the best for Mary. And so in his decision-making, in his involvement, he is justified to do what he sees best fit. And so what we see is in the midst of this scandal we see why Joseph is, or why Matthew's telling us the story. We see that, that he's given us the, the context of the genealogy, and now he's giving us a birth story which is wrought with scandal, and he's saying, it's about time. It's about time that this has happened. You know, the time is the theme of this entire first two chapters. It's the theme for this entire passage. Joseph, it's about time that Jesus is born. It's about time the Son of God comes to make his appearance. It's about time. And, you know, for Joseph, it couldn't have come sooner. Wrestling with the scandal is one of the hardest things we do as people. Isn't it? Wrestling with, with massive controversy is so draining. And I just want to, to pause here for a second because as I listen to people... I know that we experience the greatest societal drain that we've experienced in a long time as we wrestle through the reality of COVID. We're experiencing drain. The amount of times people say, I'm so tired. I'm so spent. I am exhausted. This is happening. And it's about time that God does something in this. So, this is something that, that, that we've seen. It, it really is about time. 
So Jesus' Jewish community was morally astute, and it was one where the obedience of the law brought God's blessing and approval, and the disobedience of the law brought about scorn and shame and the exclusion from community. I mean, that's outlined in the other end of Deuteronomy. It's black and white. In, in so many ways, when we deal with scandal, we're looking for that black and white. We're looking for that absolute, this is, this is the truth, this is what should happen right now, and this is, no, and, 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 and we, we're so tired by the lack of black and white. We're so tired of the gray. We're so tired of the uncertainty and the confusion and whatever's going on, and it becomes tiring. And so, so the scandal that Jesus is introduced into gives us a really good picture it gives us a picture that says that God is with us in the right time in the scandal. In the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the struggle, God is with us. And we'll, and we'll get to that in just one, one second, and I'm going to show you how I get there. If we, if we think about way back into Genesis, chapter 21, 17 to 20, if we think about this, we, f- we, ask the qu- uh, we see a verse or a story of a person named Hagar. It says, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the baby boy, hold him fast in your hand, so I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up. Okay, so what had happened to get us here? What was the story behind this little, you know, piece of scripture? Well, the story is that Hagar had had a child with Abraham in order that Abraham's promise could be fulfilled. But then Sarah, Abraham's wife, also had a child, the legitimate child of the promise, and Hagar had a child. And now Sarah throws Hagar and the son Ishmael out of the household and now she is alone and she is without support and her baby is in peril the scandal of the whole situation is caught up on her and what we have here is Hagar's being excluded from her community she had no hope and there she is in the desert you can read about it all in Genesis 21 and there she is in the desert and she's given up hope and she lays the baby down she's like I'm done there's no hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel for this, for this scandal. There's no joy that's going to come out of this. There is nothing good that's going to happen. And she leaves the baby. Her, her exclusion was so great that, that she's just given up everything. And she says, I can't, I can't bear. I can't bear to see my baby suffer like this. You know, this exclusion from community is exactly what Joseph is afraid of. Joseph is afraid that Mary is going to just be excluded. Does he abandon Mary? Does he leave her? Does he try to reduce the shame but know that she's just going to be carrying this this shame? And God, in the story of Genesis, shows up. God says... Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. God enters Hagar's scandal and says, I'm going to do something unexpected here. 
Now, what's interesting is if you read the story of, of Genesis, you actually know that, that the story of Hagar resolves that, that the son Ishmael becomes a nation, the Ishmaelites, and if you notice that Joseph, who we talked about today, he was sold to Ishmaelites. The very promise of God is continued through a secondary promise that says that, that God entered into Hagar's scandal. Ishmael is preserved, becomes a great nation. Jo Jake, Joseph is sold to Ishmaelites. And God just like, watch this. I'm going to take this scandal, I'm going to take this scandal, and I'm going to bring them together. And then I'm going to just move the story along. And God is doing it again here with Joseph. Joseph's in the middle of a scandal that he didn't ask for. You know, recall, Joseph's on the fence. He's weighing out the pros and cons, and he's losing sleep over this. I wonder if there's any times that we've been in, introduced into a scandal that we're losing sleep over. We're literally losing sleep over something and trying to figure out how do we make our way around it. I mean, it's not foreign to us. The, our sentence in the verse is, he considered these things... And it blends seamlessly into a dream. It doesn't say he considers these things and went to bed. It implies that he's considering them, and finally he just finds himself going to sleep. And the picture I see is of a man wrestling with the pros and cons list, tossing and turning in an effort to try to, try to go to sleep. Maybe, you, maybe you've got a big decision that you've got to make, and it's keeping you awake, and it's pushing on you, and it's weighing on you. And watch what happens here to Joseph. God does something great. It says, God, or sorry, it says, but he considered these things, and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. God communicates clearly. I want to say that as a beacon of hope to every single one of us who hear. In the midst of scandal that's, that's deteriorating your quality of life, God communicates clearly. An angel of the Lord appeared in the middle of the scandal, in the middle of the worry, God speaks clearly. Joseph's knee deep. He may be unsure what to do with Mary, and now he finally falls asleep one night, and the angel brings a message. Okay, so God vindicates Mary's story. In verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not fear Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Mary is now vindicated. This is the greatest I told you so moment in any marriage ever. We've got this, this I told you so moment where it's like, Mary's like, but it wasn't, I know it's the Holy Spirit. I know it sounds weird and don't believe me. And Joseph's like, what are you saying, woman? This is crazy. And then, and then God vindicates the story. And, and I can just, I can hear that mourning. When Joseph gets up, he pours his, his Cheerios, see the product placement? Pours his Cheerios into a bowl. And he says, hey Mary, an angel of the Lord came to me and said that this baby you're carrying is from the Holy Spirit. And she's just like, told you? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, I just, I see this, this moment of relief that happens because God showed up in the scandal. Okay, here's the next thing. God gave instruction. So yes, he speaks. And then he gives instruction. We, again, we look at, at these verses. 21 says, you know, she's going to bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. Wait a second. The scandal that God has done is so full of hope. It's so loaded. He will save his people from sins. This is loaded language. This is God will make all things right. He will remove the curse that, that Joseph, a just man, is all about that, that curse at the end of Deuteronomy. If you obey God's words, you will be blessed. If you disobey them, you will be cursed. Jesus is going to remove that curse, remove sin. What a blessed hope. God gives instruction. The anointed one, Jesus' name was to signal to his parents and to his family that he is a significant person in the history of Israel and the history of the entire world. God with us. And God reminds Joseph of a prophecy. Again, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. You know, we as a church often speak of God's promise to be with us. Right here at Promise Church, that's what we, we bank so much on. God's promise to be with us and his promise to deal with sin and evil, making all things right. That's where we, that's where we camp because these are, the, these are the tones of Scripture that God has always said, I'm going to be with you, God with you, Emmanuel, and he's going to deal with our sins. He's going to make all things right. And so... This is the dream, it's the realization of not just the dream of having a family that Joseph had that was being threatened by an apparent scandal, but it's the realization of the hope of all of Israel and by extension, the hope of all of us. The realization is that God is going to be with humanity in person. I mean, since the fall, God hadn't been there in person as a person with humanity. He'd not been walking around with the people. We see that in Jesus, God is walking with the people. What a great moment. Jesus is God with the people in person. Right now is the time. Now is the time for God to fulfill the next step in his mission. How cool. What great joy we have. You know, this is a great relief that God spoke. I mean, it doesn't do everything that Joseph wanted. Remember that Joseph wanted to take away the shame? So God's voice pushed Joseph in a different direction. God's voice said, you know what? Take that on. Embrace that. Understand that that weight is something that you're going to carry. And there are times where, where God asks us to carry weights. You know, he asks us to carry a weight, and he goes, okay, Embrace that, and I'm going to show my way all the way through it. I have found that any time that I want to partner with God, there's a certain challenge to it. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm self-revealing too much here, but I don't think so. I think I've talked to enough Christians to know that any time I genuinely partner my life with God, there's going to be a challenge with it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. It would be easier to not it would be less sacrificial to not. I can just not take on that challenge. But in this moment, we take on the challenge and, and God joins with us. God's voice didn't take away the scandal. It doesn't take away the scandal. 
It doesn't even cover over the scandal. But God's voice gave Joseph and gives us confidence through the weight of it. Through the concerns that we carry through. If, if, you're, if you're carrying weight of, you know, trying to do the right thing and doing ministry and, and you're exhausted or not even doing ministry, but doing ministry in your own setting. I don't mean professional ministry. I mean your own setting. If you're carrying the weight of trying to do the right thing, being just, God's voice doesn't just, oh, the weight's gone, now it's just easy. No, God's voice lets you know that he is with you in it. The confidence to continue through the hardship, the struggle that you're going to have. He is with you. God's interaction does not always make our life easy again. I wish it did, but it doesn't. It just means that God is interested in telling us that he's going to carry it with us. That he's walking with us. And so we learn what to fight against when we, and we rest when our prayer is done. We take this weight, we take this scandal, we take these struggles, we take them to God and we say, God, speak in this moment. God, speak now to me let me know that you are present and what you want to do. God is always involved in your life to the extent that you allow him to be. He will be involved in your life to the extent that you allow him to be. He will, you know, if, if you're asking him, if you're going through a tough time and you can't figure out the voice of God, and of course you're reading your Bible and praying, and others are praying with you, and you can't figure out the voice of God, breathe. Because if God has a major opinion on something, he will let you know. If he's really, really going like, wow, the course of your life could be severely altered by this and will, will forever, like Joseph divorcing Mary, would just be like, whoa, 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 the whole plan. Okay, no, we're going to let Joseph know. You do this. And so God, it is, it is on God to see God's mission fulfilled. And we submit to him. It's not on us to see the mission of God fulfilled. I think Ethan on Slack was saying something about that earlier today. Where, where it's not on us to see the mission of God fulfilled. It's on God. And so if God's got a major opinion on what you're doing, he may have let you know in scripture, and okay, morally, this is what you do, and this is what you don't do. But if it's not one of those issues, where it's not specified in scripture, and you're like, God, what do I do? God will get through to you if he needs to, if he's like, yeah, this is it. Because God is the one who, who is in charge. If he needs to, he will get through to you when his eternal plan is at stake. And if you can't hear God's voice while really seeking it, and honestly, I, I just want to put this out to you. If you have seek, been seeking God's voice in the midst of your struggle, and you know with integrity that you are praying, that you have people praying with you, for you, and you are reading scripture, and you are unable to see a clear road ahead, I want to give you freedom here. God's power and his strength and his responsibility, he takes a responsibility to say, I will lead you, I will guide you, I will, I will direct your steps. And if you're struggling with that, because I've been a pastor long enough that I know people struggle and go, what do you mean God said God never gave me direction? I don't really understand what to do. Make a decision in faith. 
You make a decision in faith saying, God, I have with all integrity sought your face. I have read scripture. I have talked to others. And now I rest in faith. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to move ahead in this way. And the cool thing is, is God honors that. And he goes, okay, I'll work with that. That's great. And he's giving you a choice. I mean, he's the one who has the ability to send an angel to you. Joseph was set on divorcing Mary. And he was going to make the wrong decision. And God went, whoa, 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 angel. (laughs) You're not going to make that mistake. When I'm moving forward, I want to give people peace here. When you're moving forward in a situation, and you're saying, I have sought God's heart. I've sought his will, but I just don't have clarity. I don't know yet. I want to give you the word faith, trust. Make a decision and allow God to work it through. In this situation, as we saw the the enormity of what is going on in this text, the enormity that Jesus is being born and called Lord, the Son of God, God protects his plan. He communicated, he's in the moment, and he's saying, I protect the plan. And so for you today, God will honor his plan. He will not give up. And so he is the one who walks with us in our worries and our scandals. You know, sometimes scandals are brought on by our sin and our wrongness. And, you know, just like I mentioned about the churches, where churches are falling apart at points. And, you know, there's scandal that rocks the church. But even in those scandals... God is still present, and he still intervenes, and his mission is what gets accomplished. So today I want to give us peace, and I want to give us reason to celebrate, because in the midst of a scandal, in the midst of hard times, in the midst of challenge, God shows up and says, I am with you, and I will make all things right. I'm going to take a moment, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for people who are feeling weighed down. I'm going to pray for people who may be carrying weights of things that they believe that God has asked them to do and they're struggling. I'm going to pray for people who are looking for direction. I'm going to pray for all of these things because I know that as we look to God, God is the one who makes all things right. God, we humbly come before you today Humble because we know that we can't fix everything that that we want to see fixed. Humble because we know that we struggle with our own sinful nature inside of us. We struggle to do the right thing, to be just as Joseph was. We struggle through all these things and we carry weights and we carry a lot of responsibilities. We wish that we, that we could, quote, maybe do more or whatever, but God, we find ourselves weighed down. And there are people in this congregation, whether at home or in this live room at, at Bradford United Church right now, there are people who are struggling through and finding weariness. 
God, I pray that as you were there for Joseph as he was struggling through, losing sleep, God, I pray that you would be in those moments, that you would speak your mission, that the onus of responsibility is on you, that it's your mission that you fulfill in the person of Jesus. And God, for every single one of us who carries weight, Jesus tells us, cast our cares on you because you care for us. And so, Jesus, I pray that as you entered into this world, Emmanuel, God with us, who will remove the weight of sin, God, I pray that you would enter into the hearts and the moments of these people who are carrying weight, and that you would remove the presence of sin from their lives, that we would repent from it, that we would turn away from it. But God, also, that you would come in and you would, that you would speak in that situation, that we could have confidence to continue forward. That we could have confidence knowing that you have made a way, a miraculous way, even a scandalous way where Jesus is born. God, that you have done it. And Jesus, I pray that that freedom would break into our hearts, that it would give us reprieve from the weight and the worry. Holy Spirit, bring healing into us. Breathe life into us. Because you are that source of life. And Jesus, because you do this, we, we turn around and say, Great are you, Lord, because we couldn't have done this ourselves. Great are you, Lord, because you walked us through the trial. Because you walked us through the scandal. Because you entered the scandal yourself. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord, that you took away the sins of the world. Great are you, Lord. And so, Jesus, we give you our worries. The things that keep us up at night. We offer them to you. And we trust that you will have your way in our life as we submit to your lordship. In Jesus' name, amen. My prayer is that you are blessed today and that you are reprieved and that you find reason to celebrate because God has done great work. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.